Welcome to episode 108 of Blue Jays Happy Hour. I'm Nick Ashbourne, joined as always by Andrew Stoughton. At a time like this, it does seem like uh, vibe check time, which we often start with. We are recording at an odd moment because the Blue Jays game on Wednesday is going on. This is uh, more Nick scheduling shenanigans. But let's live in a world where the Blue Jays win on Wednesday. <laughs> was ready to live in that world on Tuesday. Yeah, I, I mean, based on win <laughs> probabilities, definitely. Um, but let, let's live in that world because I think that we both know what the vibe is if they find a way to lose from at time of recording a 6-1 lead in the seventh inning so if we if they find a way to lose that is a that's a dark world and we can deal with that when we come on next week but in a world where the blue jays win where are you sitting in terms of how the last little bit has gone how things are looking heading into the deadline I, I'm feeling pretty good to be perfectly honest um you know the bullpen's a little gassed obviously um they're gonna have to figure something out with that the off day will help um i think that you know still a reliever is uh is in order plus chad green is coming back i'm not you know i haven't, I haven't thought too hard about the the roster spots there is certainly you know god love jay jackson what he's been doing um maybe you have to keep him around i mean maybe i'm stealing a a, a topic from earlier when i read a uh from from your uh your schedule list i don't what do you call doesn't matter. You run down of things that we're going to talk about. But, um, you know, uh, I think they could still use another reliever. They definitely have a spot in Mitch White where they would like, they, they've got to figure out something to do there because you just can't use a guy that you don't trust. But, um, you know, Dodgers are a tough team. They played them well. Not like the greatest West Coast trip, but like a non disaster West Coast trip is, uh, uh, I'll live with that. Uh, feeling good. Yeah, I think you can drill down on those individual games and see the way in which the games got away from them. Mm -hmm. And in a, you know, in a situation where one win, two wins could make a material difference in turn, you know, this team is very much in a playoff fight. So it's, you know, it's difficult to say, oh, it's not a big deal that this game, they definitely should have won, got away. But again, whenever we talk about things like this, there's always the, the flip side of it where you win a game that you probably shouldn't have won. And I don't think it's worth necessarily drawing on. Like you said, it was uh, the whole thing. Like It's tough to go to Los Angeles and play the Dodgers on the road. Any kind of lengthy West Coast trip is difficult. This is uh, There's missed opportunities, but this is not the worst iteration of what it might have been. And also, I think that the bullpen obviously has struggled in the last couple of days, but this isn't like, I don't know, 2021 when the bullpen is awful and you think, man, they just don't have the horses down there. Like, I think you have, generally speaking, good pitchers and pitchers who have performed well for much of the year and they've encountered some struggles, but I don't know if that necessarily shakes the faith that this unit as at least most of what it takes to get it done. Like, it doesn't need a massive overhaul. It doesn't need a huge influx of talent. Although, as you say, that Mitch White roster spot's a bit of a disaster. Yeah. I, and I also think that, you know, well, with Green coming back, Cabrera's looked all right. There, you know, the, somebody at the deadline perhaps coming in. And then you maybe get a chance to be like, you know, somebody gets a, gets a neck injury and is gone for 15 days and just takes a blow and then and then kind of, is able to rejuvenate themselves a little bit. If you if you feel better about the rest of the group, you can kind of maybe uh, give guys a little more time off uh, while you can. We're also, you know, it's easier to feel good because we're also at a spot where uh, 
you know, Aaron Judge isn't back yet for the Yankees, though they're obviously, you know, less of a factor at the moment. But uh, Jordan Alvarez and, and Jose Altuve are back for the, the Astros very shortly, I believe, which, um, you know, could change the nature of the uh, the AL wildcard race. But uh, but for now, the Jays are in the driver's seat and not playing too badly. The RISP thing seems to uh, uh, be regressing towards the mean. Um, and, yeah, I, I think they're set up well to uh, – uh, to, you know, cling to the third wildcard spot. <laughs> yeah, to do the thing that would be construed as a disappointment. Yeah, they are well positioned to do that. And like you said, those teams behind them could easily pick up steam. And so it's very easy to look back and be like, oh, here are some wasted opportunities when you could have hit the accelerator and put some distance and you didn't do that. So it'll, it kind of remains to be seen how costly all this stuff is. But if you said kind of going in that – this is the record they're going to have on the road trip. I think you ex- you accept that. And you referenced another thing we like to start with is the old, uh, you know, the transaction, especially, you know, a minor one like this one. You got Genesis Cabrera as a Blue Jay. Nate Pearson has been demoted. How confident are we that that makes the bullpen better? Because that sentence alone doesn't necessarily <laughs> sound great. No, it doesn't. I mean, well, we haven't seen the walk-heavy version of Cabrera in the first two uh, outings as much. You know, and it's 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 really you know, just looking at it as opposed to diving into data or anything like that. It's, it, it looks like pretty good stuff. Like he gets some movement on those pitches. He throws hard. Um, though I, I'm writing about some, you know, rumors and transaction things, uh, uh, not as we speak, but just before we spoke, it's not published yet. But uh, one thing I noticed that was interesting was that his, uh, his worst pitch in terms of uh, the edge, edge of the zone percentage against left-handers it was the curveball. He hasn't thrown that yet. His worst pitch in terms of edges of the zone percentage against right-handers is the changeup. He hasn't thrown that yet as a, as a Blue Jay, uh, which, you know, seems seems ideal. You would like – you just – he has a deep arsenal. It did feel like he needed to kind of clean that up a little bit, like just, just on the very, very pure surface level. Like he's like, okay, the, maybe, perhaps perhaps part of the reason that he struggles is he's throwing five pitches and, and that just makes it hard to – be comfortable enough with one to throw it where you really want to. And uh, that seems to have been a, like an obvious first step that they've taken, uh, taking those away from him. Maybe that'll change, but uh, uh, that, that seems encouraging because there, def- there definitely seem to be, you know, more strikes than I anticipated in uh, the early going from him. Yeah. You can't be disappointed with what he's done so far as a blue Jay. Like you referenced that simplification is often a good thing. Like that's often what you do when you start being a reliever in the first place, let alone kind of, few years into your <laughs> yeah. career as an MLB reliever. He does have some interesting stuff with, you know, the velocity is down, but it's still good. The slider being such a focal point is new and new is always interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the time of the, of the uh, trade, I think I tweeted that he had been the worst reliever in baseball by Fangraph's war over the last couple of years prior to him being acquired. And, you know, there's some element of uh, tongue in cheek to that because the reality is that most guys don't, I think it was, uh, I forget how many innings, I think it was 70 innings. Like most guys who pitch that poorly don't get run and mm-hmm. he continued to get run because he's talented. So it's like, yes, the results are not good. They have not been good in the last year and a half or so. But ultimately that's, you know, just over 70 innings. That's not a massive sample. We know how weird relief stuff is. 
they're betting on top. I mean, they've done this before. You know, it, it's a it's a different type of pitcher, but it kind of reminds me of the Joaquin Benoit thing, where it's like we're going to get a reliever who's having a rough year, but we think he's talented, and we're going to see what happens. And I don't think that's the worst way to go about it. No, I mean that that that's that's a common thing from them in all sorts of transactions. I feel right, like they're always you know betting on a bounce back and then and. and taking the bargain price. Not in everyone, obviously, but, you know, Whit Merrifield didn't have a great year. You think about Stephen Matz, you think about Taiwan Walker and Robbie Ray. Uh, you know, the list The list is large of guys where they are like, okay, we believe in the talent here, or we believe we can tweak something, or we see something, and uh, sometimes they're right. So, uh, fingers crossed on this one. Yeah, I mean, the, I think the flip side of it that's interesting is that Pearson is the guy which makes sense from the old, you know, keeping the roster depth appropriate he has options etc etc but i don't know if i was ready to say oh this is a guy who is you know he he was coming off a really bad outing his last time out and the one before wasn't great either but if you look back he's got you know i think eight scoreless appearances before that like he was still he's still throwing hard missing bats generally speaking throwing strikes he you had some home run troubles but over a short sample i'm not sure that i really believe that that was going to be a locked and loaded issue with him like his expected era at the time of demotion is 342 um and you know with what he brings subjectively it is odd it's it's odd to see a guy who's you know when he's clicking capable of playing a pretty big role for this bullpen go down for the guy who's been yeah the worst <laughs> reliever in baseball over the last couple of years it's it's a sort of surprising i get it that Pearson had hit a bump in the road, but I, I don't know. It, it felt like a little bit of an overreaction to me. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a little bit surprising for sure. Um, you know, the one outing was really bad, and they, I, you know, who you never know how much you know truth there is, and when they're like, oh, we want him to work on some stuff, and like the, you know, you could spin it as they're being proactive about you know whatever they saw in, in that, but then also, you know, they were going to have to figure out something with uh, you know in terms of how to to make the numbers work uh they've they've got you know everybody likes to talk about dfa and mitch white and they're everybody's right for you know understandable reasons but they've got they've got this far they've 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 gone this long down the road that you know just a simple dfa of mitch white would seem to be um not not ideal asset management because if you're going to do that you should have just done it in the first place um, so somebody kind of had to go and I, like, you know, you say he could play a big, I think he'll still be back and will pay, play a big role. It's just that, you know, temporarily, uh, and because he has the option, it's, uh, it made it a little bit easier because, uh, the, you know, he's just the, the, the other guys were less, were less able to be moved down to the minors, but you know, it, it was, it was interesting. It was, it was a pretty quick hook for sure. Um, for a guy, you would like to think that they could work on whatever they needed to have him work on in the big leagues, right? Yeah, and then the other part of this is, uh, as you as you alluded to, a little foreshadowing here, it's the Jay Jackson factor. Mm-hmm. Um, your assumption would be kind of regardless, you got the asset management thing keeping Mitch White alive. At a certain point, that's a sunk cost. Like at a certain point, it doesn't matter what you've done before and what you traded for him. If he's not an asset, he's not an asset. Well, I, I think that certain point is Tuesday at, at 6 p.m. Eastern. Well, yeah. yeah. So I, I think that, you know, it's hard to say how much the we invest in this guy is playing into the thinking now and whether maybe that should have already happened. But Jay Jackson, it's weird. It's He's sort of... 
but he's been on the roster for a while and it just seems like he's gone totally unnoticed because he's mainly doing mop-up duty and you know he's not a name and no one expects anything from him and then you look up and he's got 14 innings pitch he's got one run and he's he's playing a big role in some wins here and it just seemed like uh, everyone kind of decided that Jay Jackson was a thing all of a sudden. Uh, and I kind of, I wish that I felt the same. I think that Jay Jackson personally, and maybe you disagree with this. My feeling on Jay Jackson is that basically anyone can sort of have 14 innings that are good. And this <laughs> hasn't happened for the Blue Jays in a while, right? Like if they'd had a Jay Jackson happen to them in, you know, 2021, things maybe would have gone differently for the team. But this happens all the time, like random reliever that's not necessarily more talented than anyone else just has a good run. And this is, I'm not trying to absolutely dump on him because, you know, there's no denying that he has pitched well and this is a good run that he's on. And it's a good story, a guy who hasn't really logged much MLB time and still, you know, fighting in his mid thirties. Like it, there's a lot to like here about the story. So I don't want to totally bury that component, but um, I'm not sure I'm hopping on the train, the hype train. <laughs> no, I, well, I, I agree. You know, I mean, like, a, like if you ask me, do I think Jay Jackson's going to pitch important innings in October? Like, no, I probably don't think that's going to happen, but, but, you know, I think that there, you know, he, I haven't gone too deep under the hood with Jay Jackson, I must admit, uh, but doing different things, you know, kind of became a different guy later in his career. I, you know, I don't think it's particularly relevant that he wasn't super, uh, successful early on the last, you know, little stretch, you know, beyond where he was this year. Like he had, I think, I think he was really good in the in the minors. I believe for Atlanta last year, uh, didn't really end up turning that into an opportunity. And and you know, as long as as long as he keeps missing bats and and not giving up hard contact, yeah, you got to keep you got to keep that run going. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, full credit to him and to the Blue Jays for do, for allowing that to happen and not sort of. You know, it would be very easy, and it is easy all the time in this sport to be like, okay, well, the big, the bonus baby prospect guy uh, is going to get more opportunities, but and, and that they sort of didn't go that way with this. Uh, you know, I kind of, I kind of like it, and and I'll like it for as long as uh, it keeps working. Um, Here's know, a- but but yeah, I, like I wouldn't be like, well, we don't really need to. We don't really need to trade for an elite reliever. We got Jay Jackson now. I think that, <laughs> like, I think that would be a folly. Yeah, zero sixty four ERA. Here are a couple <laughs> other numbers with Jay Jackson. He's got the zero ninety four BABIP right now, and also at AAA this year he had a six fifty seven ERA. So it is the I don't know. I I understand what you're getting at, but I think the counterpoint to it is the idea that the Blue Jays are in. They're in a tight playoff race today, and if you bring in like I regardless of what happened with Nate Pearson his last couple outings like I would rather bring in Nate Pearson for an inning tomorrow not just subjectively not based on talent uh, alone but like my belief is if we had an inning against a major league team starting in three seconds that Nate Pearson's a better bat than better bat better bet than Jay Jackson and the consequences are pretty I realize that the the bullpen pecking order is kind of established like neither of them are going to be the top dog at this particular moment but it does strike me as a little bit odd to put the belief in this player when you're, yeah, we're, we're, you're kind of, you're playing for something pretty serious right now. And maybe that reflects their belief that there is actually something kind of wonky with Pearson now that needs to get ironed out. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps it does. But also, you know, they were talking about uh, on the broadcast, uh, uh, Buck and Dan were talking about uh, perhaps moving Danny Jansen up in the, in the batting order and the, the sense that, the idea that the hitters are the ones who 
who really fill out the lineup because they tell you with their performance. And I think they talked about how last year Bo, Bo Bichette was down in the seventh spot for a day uh, and hit his way back up. They told that little story. And, and you know, I mean, there's something to it being a, mer- a meritocracy, um, you know, because it so often isn't. And that's that's sort of, you know, I, I, but I, like I'm saying this devil's advocating a bit, right? Like uh, I, I I tend to agree that Nate Pearson is a better pitcher than Jay Jackson, but but I got all, I, I got all of the time uh, for Jay Jackson. Uh, until I don't, until, uh, until the Babbitt goes the other way, you know, until it triples. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you know what? Yeah. That'll, that'll stink. And the three batter rule means that maybe he'll get hung out for an, for a little longer than you want. You know, it won't be any worse than Eric Swanson the other night. So, um, you know, that's just, those are the things that happen and you'll have to deal with it. But, uh, what, what would you miss by not, you know, continuing to see how long this goes? I think you'd miss uh, probably some pretty good innings. He pitched well here on uh, on Wednesday. Yep, he said uh, there's no doubting that the the results are there. So we'll see how long they continue to be there. This podcast is the last time we are going to check in prior to the trade deadline. I think the hope would be that after the trade deadline, the Blue Jays have given us something to discuss. But we, as we record, and I guess this may be different, the Jays would be six and a half games back of the AL East. So that idea of them challenging for the AL East and that affecting the deadline, I mean, there's a, that's a wild thing. There's still a couple of days and that still could shift. My thought isn't that you're really playing for a division title if you're 6.5 games back heading into the deadline. I know that it's possible uh, to games, make up that 10 ground. games back at the start of September. It's possible, but it's the likelihood is pretty slim. I mean, especially with the quality. It's not like the teams ahead of them are just absolute junk teams that are totally injured or something like that. Where, I don't know, where do you feel, again, where do you feel this deadline is going as we get closer and closer to it? Personally, I just have a difficult time believing that it's going to be a massive, uh, you know, and a massive exciting one for the Blue Jays in terms of big time ads, because unless they see that division within reach, you're not necessarily fighting for much other than to stay where you're at. Well, and also I think mostly probably because who are you know who is this year's Juan Soto? Who I mean, we know who that is, but who's probably not going to get moved? And I think that would be well, we'll see. I guess how the Jays Angels series goes, but uh, you know who like who? There's no Luis Castillo this year. There's no. I, don't, I just I just feel like the pool of available guys doesn't move the needle as much, and so that probably is going to be as much of a factor as anything. I, I you know we've seen the track record. We kind of talked about it already with the 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 making sort of smaller bets on guys with upside. Like that's been a way they've played it before. They they've made some bigger swings, obviously. Uh, you know, Jose Barrios is the big one. We've seen maybe more in the off season where they've they've targeted uh, uh, bigger, uh, more uh, you know, uh, higher profile players. Um, I I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't rule that out. I think that there's that there's all the reason for them to do it. Um, it's you're like you say. It's weird. Like that, the next handful of games shouldn't matter that much. But when there's that little between, you know, all the teams, um, I think they can. You know, if you lose four straight. You may you you have to think about where you're at a little bit differently, um, but yeah, I, I'm with you that I don't think it's going to be super, you know, super exciting for them. I think that they're definitely going to do something. They're going to, you know, they've got the Mitch White thing. They've got some a bit of a numbers crunch that they uh, number crunch that they they're going to probably want to deal with to an extent. You know, they they got to get Green on the forty man. There's going to be some subtraction there. 
uh, not necessarily at the big league level, but there there are some there are some interesting guys out there, and I, I think that you know we've seen in the past from Ross Atkins and, and this front office that, um, and, and probably to they have an opportunity or a need for this more than than in other years where they will try to uh, do some heavy lifting for the winter at this juncture, uh, as Ross might call it. Um, just because, just because that, that takes things off their plate. And like that, I, I was I'm in the middle of writing and I think I maybe tweeted about, uh, this, uh, the, the trade, the Trent Thornton trade that's happened here is, uh, you know, the guy that they get back, Mason McCoy, uh, not on the 40 man. So that helps a uh, little bit of depth. Who's going to go to Buffalo. Uh, and so now, you know, if you end up moving, uh, Addison Barger, uh, David Schneider, Otto Lopez, Gavin Biggio, Santiago Espinal, you know, go, if you move from that pool uh, uh, to the, like a couple of pieces now, you at least you don't have to worry about getting a warm body for Buffalo. You kind of have that. And if it's not, it's just this is a guy. It doesn't matter. I mean, every team, I guess, probably has other guys like that. But uh, but I think they're thinking those kind of steps ahead. Right. And so you might see them do something like they did with Merrifield last year, which is, uh, you know, get a guy who will help now, who is maybe a little bit uh you know, not not having his best season, um, and and uh, but can stick around next year and fill a hole next year that you know you're already going to have. You know, you can see the departures of Chap- Chapman and Merrifield and Kiermaier and uh, Brandon Belt coming. So I think that that's that's you know probably going to be a, an idea, a target, something that they spend some time on, something we might hear some rumors about. Uh, whether they actually get anything like that done, I don't know. I do think you know. You got to you, you got to upgrade you got to upgrade the Mitch White spot and you got to upgrade the Jordan Luplo spot and anything beyond that is uh, probably a good idea too. You know, you could upload the, upgrade that Espinal or Biggio spot as well. Um, but beyond those names, like there's not that much you can really do here. I don't think you know. No, I, as you mentioned, it is not the same crop of kind of deadline trade bait as you can get in some cases. Uh, you know, Otani is obviously his own category. That's a whole thing. I think everyone, I know that the Blue Jays have been mentioned in various kind of rumory reports as being a team that executives will look at, whatever the language is where they're not actually in it, but, uh, they, but <laughs> right. they've been mentioned yeah. that they're in it. I would be absolutely shocked. I think that's just in its own category of transaction. But you know there are there's some starters available that make you better, but how much better against the cost is a little bit dif- difficult to say. Like those two spots, the Mitch White spot, I'm gonna go on a limb here and say uh, not hard to upgrade from. Uh, I think Correct. you can get a player pretty easily uh, that would present a, an upgrade, a meaningful upgrade that wouldn't have one of the worst ERAs in franchise history. Uh, <laughs> I think you have them on your forty man. That's true. But, I mean, yeah. I guess it's it's the magnitude of the upgrade. In terms of the right-handed bat type deal, the Luplo spot, as you said, you know, there's some guys out there. I, I think Lane Thomas on the Nationals is an interesting mm-hmm. kind of lefty mashing outfielder, former Blue Jays prospect. That is, he's someone that I kind of have an eye on. Randall Grichuk's the name that comes up a lot. I I would be surprised. I'd be surprised if they're bringing Randall Grichuk back, but that. I mean that would be immensely funny, realistically. I think. Oh, it would, it, it, yeah. It would be very amusing to see <laughs> people have hopes. I mean, because he, you know, he's putting up good numbers with the Rockies too. Uh, that, you know, that's a thing that happens with hitters. I don't know if people are familiar with that, but um, <laughs> it terrifies me because you know, 
Old Ross has a bit of a type, right? We've seen some Grinch type guys. We've seen the left-handed version of him in, in left field right now for the Blue Jays. Uh, you know, so there might be some appeal there for him. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say not so much for anybody who watched Randall Grinch's career from the stands or on TV, but we're yeah. not making that call. I mean, I don't know. I think he, you know, he could bring up team handsomeness still. I don't think he's total <laughs> I don't think he's totally aged out of the handsome well, Randy era. Hopefully uh, you'll have have to replace Mitch White on the team handiness. Uh, yeah. Handsomeness, so, you know, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I know he he's objectively having a good year even if you park adjust yada yada yada, but it, yeah, it, that's a, you know, Atkins in the front office, they were the front office that offered him that contract, so they, they do like him, clearly, but that would be a weird one. Tim Anderson is a name that has cropped up, but again, in the, I don't want to be too mean-spirited and say less reputable rumor-mongering type of sources, but, uh, you know, a lot, I, yeah. not a lot. <laughs> not a lot to those reports, potentially, we'll put it that way. Um, I I can see, like again, we've talked about, they, they do... They do tend to believe, I think, in this sort of change of scenery guy. Like, I, th- I think part of it is the bringing is depressing the price, right? Like the guy who's absolutely smashing the ball is going to cost you more prospects than the other one. But I think they also have a belief in their kind of I don't know that they've got a good environment and a good culture and good coaching, and that they can bring guys across and they'll perform better. And with pitching, that that's definitely worked at times. Um, with hitting less success in terms of these midseason acquisitions, but to hit wit to <laughs> you know Whit Mayfield was pretty good. Uh, you know Jonathan VR not great. Again, there's not a lot. <laughs> not there's, so much. Not much of a track record. So I, I guess the thing with the Tim Anderson is like, yeah, I mean, if you can get him for free, sure, but he's pretty impossible to trust. I think. Ben Nicholson Smith was uh, was out poo pooing that on on X, I think we're calling it oh, now. Yeah. Um, the other the other day, uh, any other names that are kind of rattling around your skull in terms of deadline, or is that about? I it? mean, Anderson is one because I mean, because he looks similar to the the Merrifield situation. I mean, not as cheap this year, and you know his option for next year is uh, I guess fourteen million, and Merrifield's is is eighteen at this point. You know, I, I don't think either of them are worth that, but but Merrifield's definitely had a better year. And if he had a fourteen million dollar option, maybe uh, maybe there'd be some interest. I still I doubt. Ooh, uh, yeah, I wouldn't, but yeah, I said no. Uh, well, he's I been well lately, I, but no. I don't think a lot of uh, a lot of fans would uh, would agree that not do that. I think the the he's you know, he's played well. Can't cannot deny him that. Yeah, don't understand but it, but maybe sometimes that's just you I don't understand. Things. You just get the best. You know what I mean? Like they got the best of Ross Stripling, and then they let yeah. him fly. And I think that that sometimes that's what you got to go. No, you got to realize. Okay, this is great, but uh, we cannot count on this, and we'll let somebody <laughs> else pay for it. Uh, that's that's real. That's real. But you know, interesting. Like they could they get a couple months of him. I think he's been hitting a little better of late. Uh, having a really terrible season. I'm more of a Tay Oscar guy. Obviously, I'm partial there. Uh, who else? You know, not a, uh, not an infielder, but also you know fits what they're looking for. Guys, right-handed bat matches lefties. We know he can do better against right-handers than he has this year, um, and could you know can play more often than just you know just play, be a, a platoon guy, which I think is kind of uh, the piece that you're looking for. 
Do you um, think that if Teoscar came back, there would be annoyance among the Blue Jays maintenance staff vis-a-vis cleaning up sunflowers? <laughs> sunflowers? Maybe. Like, that's a whole new... It's like a zero to 300 when you bring Teoscar in. Like, you never had to worry about a sunflower seed problem. <laughs> then next thing you know, it's an infestation. Yeah, well, I'm willing, I'm willing to put their discomfort at risk. Um you know, I don't know if that's the best baseball move, but that's that's certainly the fun move. That's, that, that, put it this way, between him and Randall Gritchick, yeah, one move would be more fun and more uh, welcomed than the other. There won't be any, you know, there won't be any standing ovation when Gritchick returns triumphantly to the uh, Rogers Center. No, there will not. Be. And you know, Tay Oscar, you know, beyond vibes and you know, the fact he's been friends with people on the team, might be a risk of too much fun based on what they're trying to build now. But he. He's not having a good season, but he's sort of doing a lot of the same stuff. Like I'm looking at his expected stats. Last year's expected WOBA of 351, and this year it's 341. So yeah, there's a little bit more strikeouts and the home runs aren't quite where they were last year. But it's one of those situations where things are a little bit worse around the fringes. But the core of what he does, he hasn't suddenly aged out and doesn't have any power anymore or whatever like i think he's fundamentally he's still in there somewhere um yeah i think it's like a 144 weighted runs created plus against left-handers which uh yeah, this team could use yeah that'd play and uh yeah. you know he he wants to come back to the blue jays based on one vague comment of uh it would be cool i think because i don't know exactly what he said but bring him home let's go <laughs> I mean, I, it's. I wonder what the sort of historical precedent for the off-season trade followed by trade deadline trade back. I mean, the, nothing is even remotely unprecedented in baseball. The history is too long, but you don't see that often. That's for sure. And honestly, if there's any GM who you know loves trades more than his pride, uh, it's Terry Depoto, right? He'll, uh, you know, it would be like you're not getting the equivalent of Eric Swanson and, and Adam Mako back, but uh, certainly not. You know, you're, you're 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 taking a hit on that one, but you're also taking a hit no matter where Oscar goes. So uh, uh, the man loves to transact. He does, so. and I, I think that most people in the content business respect that. I don't know if his peers respect that or the fans <laughs> love it, but <laughs> the various fans, I don't think. Those of us who make content uh, are definitely pro GMs who treat it like a video game and just spam yeah. as many trades as possible. <laughs> couple things to check in on before we get out of here. One of them is Alec Manoa. We've kind of led a lot of shows recently with Manoa check-ins, and it, maybe it's unfair to put every single individual start under the microscope, but that's kind of where we are with him because it's unclear what he's going to be from here on out. And this time we didn't get the, you know, triumphant might be an exaggeration in terms of characterizing his start against the Detroit Tigers, but it was a very strong start in results-wise, even though it was the Tigers, and that was a big part of that story is the quality of competition. Then he had a really rough start against the San Diego Padres, and then his most recent outing was, you know, it was fine, again, from a results standpoint. There's stuff to like and not like about it. Uh, well, what are your impressions on Manoa before I, uh, I don't know, muddy the waters and or uh, <laughs> throw one way or the other? No, I mean, I think fine is, is, is right. I mean, they were, you know, it, it, was, it was a big step up from uh, the previous start against the Padres, right? Like, I think, uh, you know, that one, just the, sw the, the swinging strikes weren't there. The, the ability to put guys away wasn't there. You know, I look, Pitching Ninja showed, uh, showed a clip of one of Manoa's sliders. And so, 
You know, that, that, <laughs> that wasn't happening in the previous start. Um, so yeah, it was, you know, the, the walks were up, right? Like, uh, I'm trying to remember. I should, I should just have the stuff in front of me. I'm sitting right at a computer, but, uh, yeah, no, I think, I think fine is, is a fine way to put that. Um, uh, you can build off that. You, it's, you said, you definitely, I definitely don't feel as bad, uh, about, you know, how the, the, the progress that he has made as I did after the Padres one. Yeah, the, you know, the walks are the negative, right? Because now in his last two outings, you're looking at a total of nine walks. So the the narrative of, okay, the stuff is diminished, but at least he kind of went back and figured out how to center himself and throw some strikes hasn't really come to pass. Like we still have the, you know, the velocity is still basically what it was. The horizontal movement on the slider, which has been kind of under the microscope all year, basically what it was. You know, six strikeouts. Like you said, against the Padres, it really seemed like he had nothing to finish guys off with. This was a big step forward in that regard. Mm -hmm. He had, I think it was 12 swings from the slider and 10 of them were whiffs. So that that's a really encouraging sign. And I, I that's far better than before. Yeah. Far better than before. And I and I wrote a, a kind of a little thing about that start and how, you know, the kind of the good and bad of it. And the good with that slider is that the horizontal movement isn't there, but the vertical movement's actually better. Like it's diving a little uh, bit the, more than the, we've seen. The pitching ninja uh the gif will attest. Yeah. So there I think it was I don't know which one I wasn't on Twitter at the time of uh the pitching ninja tweet in question but <laughs> if i had to guess it would be one or at least one of the most impressive ones came against teoscar hernandez and he really kind of it was sort of center of the zone and buried it um close to the dirt in the dirt even and that is you know it's not the movement we're used to seeing but it's more dramatic movement and clearly it was having an effect on the mariners batter so that's something to watch as we go forward like has he kind of found a way to compensate and make his slider effective like it used to be even if it doesn't look like it used to look in terms of shape just a different but maybe equally effective shape we'll see how all that goes like i i think that when i look at that outing sort of 5.1 innings three earned runs that's sort of my baseline expectation from manoa start at this point yeah no that seems reasonable but uh, you know you, yeah you don't want to put too much into um that different slider, the the diving one, I don't, and it was the pitching engine did have one of those ones that it caught. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that that's a fine enough baseline for what you know you you uh, you want him to be the rest of the year, and then that you can you know you can definitely dream on more because we've seen that, and and I think that I think that's enough. I think that's all that's enough for him to keep his job and to keep getting run out there every fifth day. And uh, if it goes sideways again, then that's going to be trouble, especially if they don't find more. Uh, starting pitching depth at the deadline, but that's for me. That's a that's a risk I probably take. It's not going super heavily into the starting pitching market, but uh, but also there may be just like so little in terms of impact bats that that you just you choose to go that way and and, and figure you know we'll outpitch them instead of trying to balance things a little bit better. Yeah, and the the price of starting pitching is always so high, right? Like there's yeah, always true. teams looking for it. So if you're not the team that is the most desperate for it, then it's hard to win those bit. Like the Blue Jays arguably don't have the most, you know, I mean, arguably might be a soft way, but they just don't. They don't have the most trade ammunition. Like they don't have that many 
sort of expendable young controllable players for those blockbusters they don't have that many prospects who are incredibly well regarded around the league so it's tough if if another team really wants a certain starting pitcher it's hard to see the blue jays being the guys to come out and just get the better of that like this is why we we're not really having the otani talk right like the blue jays don't have the Otani package really that other teams are if they really want that player able to put forth and for most starting pictures it's not as extreme a version of that but there is something to it where you know people talk about in free agency and trades even there's this winner's curse where it's like if you're the one who offered the most whether it's money or prospects it's chances are you are kind of going outside the consensus and the wisdom of crowds and there's a decent chance that you're going to be wrong and so play guys getting kind of quality starting pitchers are probably experiencing that. Whereas the blue Jays, I just don't see that happening. No, I think that's fair. Yeah. If they're, you know, if a team is like, Oh, uh, the blue Jays are giving me this, uh, another team that wants that pitcher is probably going to be able to say, well, what if we add this, then is that better? And of course it will. Be. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, look, Ricky Tiedemann, we all we all love Ricky. Alec Manoa, why don't you why don't you trade him? There's a big trade chip. Literally a big trade chip. Phys- yeah. Physically. <laughs> but we you know, you can get unrealistic about it. But yeah, I don't think I don't think there's a it's worth a lot of energy into thinking about the Blue Jays and, and their Otani package or their package for really any, you know, elite starter at this point. And and, and hopefully, um, you know, maybe they'll do something there. Um but yeah, I, I I think that the rotation, man, it, it's it's tough because it's not like uh, a world beating rotation. But Kikuchi pitched well again, you know. Barrios, I think you feel comfortable with, you know, everybody they've been all right. And you got to, you got Ryu and Manoa to try to figure out that fifth starter spot and hope everybody stays healthy. Uh, I I don't know I don't know what more you necessarily need unless it's you know somebody to to fit between Barrios and Gosman. And I just yeah I don't think that that's probably out there or out there for them. So yeah, go get some bats and uh, and see what we do. Yeah, and I think they've got sort of the rotation that, and often these type of distinctions can be overstated, but I think they have the rotation that's a little bit more of a regular season rotation than a playoff rotation. Like they have that depth and competence, but if you actually lined it up in a playoff series and you've got, and maybe I'm being unfair to Burrios here because he is in the middle of like a really good season, but when you line them up against some other teams, it, it's behind Gosman. They just don't really have the same level of impact that some other teams have. But like you say, I don't know if that level of impact is out there for them. Like you could argue maybe a Marcus Stroman is that or whatever, but I don't see it. Like the Otani package, as you say, it, it's hard to even conceive of or dwell on. I will say that on uh, Fangraph's baseball podcast, Effectively Wild, they did a whole episode where they had GMs in the mix or people pretending to be various GMs and giving their packages for Otani. And they sort of just mocked out the whole situation from scratch to see what might happen in terms of him getting traded. And the Blue Jays package was, you know, it was Tiedemann and Aurelvis Martinez. And I don't even, I don't know who the third piece was, but it, and it it was sort of easily dismissed as not really being a proper contender. And And I think that's accurate. Well, and I just, I also think that he's so impossible to value that like, Every package is going to be it's it's going to be either way too little like way too much and way too little at the same time. Like speaking of Fangraphs, like the they did the trade value series recently, and 
I think he like the top 50 trade value uh, guys in baseball. And Otani was number 25, and they were basically just like, he should either be number one or he shouldn't be on this list. Like two months of him, what do you do? Uh, I don't know how you do that. And I don't think we're going to find out because the Angels are at least close enough uh, on the fringes of the race. And hey, maybe they'll win some games against in their next series. I wonder who that's against. Uh, and sort of keep themselves relevant in that sense. I, I, like I'd, it, If they were the Nationals, then yeah, they probably would have to do it. But they probably also would have done it a year and a half ago. Um, so yeah, we probably won't find out. And it, 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 I don't know if we even could two months of, of that player. Uh, it's just impossible. Yeah, I mean, and then you, you know, sit down and think about his contract and, you know, the because the Blue Jays are as rich as any franchise in terms of ownership, they should be thinking about trying to make an offer for him, but I don't think anyone considers them to be top candidates or whatever. But just <laughs> well they they could they, they got a they got an infield spot. How's Anthony Rendon at uh, at third base these days? Take that yeah. contract off their hands for you know, you gotta replace Matt Chapman. Yeah, I mean, Taco TPR <laughs> disaster, trading Otani in something that amounts to a salary dump, I don't think is going to go over well with um, with with the Angels fan. I mean, there's no way to trade Otani that's going to go over well. Like even no. even sort of the quote unquote smart move for Otani, he's just such an insanely he's just he's different. He's worth he's unicorn, worth yeah. much more that goes be like you can quantify his on field contribution as two players and then mash those players together and say he's worth this. But you know he's worth so much more than that. I think the the thing that's funny about the Blue Jays and Otani and yeah, we're we're playing in a little bit of a fictional sandbox right now because the most likely scenario is still Otani just staying put and the Angels praying that they can make a run and yada yada. Like that's the most likely scenario. But you know, there is a world where, for instance, the Blue Jays sweep the Angels and then maybe a, you know a key Angels player or two gets injured in the course of that series <laughs> and the Angels come to the conclusion that like there's just no way to do this and it would be irresponsible not to trade Otani. Again, even in that scenario they might not come to that conclusion, but it, you know, this is a this is within the technically within the realm of possibility. And then the Blue Jays by succeeding against the Angels get Otani traded to the Rays or the Orioles. And absolutely screw themselves. <laughs> like the Blue Jays' wisest uh, move, maybe just throw some games, throw some games <laughs> to the Angels. Make sure Otani I mean, stays put because you're not getting him. So someone else getting him could be a problem for you. Realistically, I, they don't have games to play with, but it's a funny scenario. Uh, it is, but also I think you know with Trout out, the only key Angels player who could yeah. get injured is Otani himself, right? Yeah, that's true. It is. Uh, <laughs> it is a. It is a wild thing that the Angels have been unable to. Like they don't even have to build a good roster. They had to build uh, like an MLB roster, and they just have yeah. not been able to do like just anything around these two guys would have getting it would have got you where you needed to go and i know some of their pitching's been a little bit better this year like they're not as bad as they've been at times but it is it is the worst kind of miracle that they've been unable to make this happen <laughs> yeah real so if you're a blue jays fan and you're struggling and frustrated with this year's edition of the team consider that you could be an angels fan which would have some moments but would be just you know, in an existential way, far more depressing than being a Blue Jays fan is. <laughs> oh, I wrote about Scott Rowland and the 2009 era 
on the weekend and <laughs> yes things could be way way worse oh my god I mean, what a disaster and you, you know, go back <laughs> five years i think i always think of the 2018 blue jays like that you know there was a team i was around all the time and that was just a nightmare of a team and uh you know, you know that wasn't in too distant the past and this has been escaped so there's <laughs> they their pay their opening day payroll went with two years of roy halliday left their opening day payroll went down by like from 97 to 80 million <laughs> you know yeah made some bad bets on the old wells and rio steals and oh man and to to the to the you know whatever anybody thinks of now I'm on this tangent, but whatever anybody thinks of, of the job that Shapiro and Atkins has, have done, and, and Lord knows, you know, and the, the guy they let walk, who was previously the GM, has done okay for himself. Uh, but getting the front or getting getting the ownership level on board uh, really just makes such an unbelievable difference. Like like the contentious thing between the Jays and Rogers at that time, where you know they where they. Let Alex Rios walk, and literally the money did not go back into the team. Like it's just like in, and it's not just it didn't go back into the team. That means that it went back into the pockets of the multi-billion-dollar corporation for just no reason, just because they were going to throw games for the next few years. It was like it was grotesque. Uh, we are at a much better place now, no matter how bad it is. Yeah, think about that. I mean, I, I don't think we skew super young demographic wise, but if we got Probably some not. if we've got some young Blue Jays fans who got on board relatively recently, keep in mind that it has been much worse. And you know what? It has been much worse probably most of the time. Um, at least since the kind of mid nineties on. So uh, this is not a <laughs> calling this a golden age, maybe a little bit unfair, but it's uh it's a better than average age, and at least that much should be appreciated. We're going to leave you with that thought to meditate on, to end on uh, episode 108. We appreciate you guys listening in. Whatever you want to do in terms of leaving reviews or ratings is also appreciated, and we will get back to you next week. <laughs>